Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. What we're going to do is talk about the assignment that we have. And if you're ready for this, just say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And that'll all make sense in just a moment. I'm going to give you one of the... One of the writers who heard the Great Commission, this is what most scholars call the Great Commission. Every gospel writer had the instruction Jesus gave right before his ascension up into the heavens. And Mark wrote it down differently than the others, and and it's very interesting, but they all took account of this, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Mark writes and says it in Mark 16, verse 14. He said... This is the 40 days and 40 nights Jesus was with him as, after his resurrection and his, right before his ascension. Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Everyone say gospel to every creature. When you look at the word gospel and you understand what the good news was, it was literally the message of the kingdom of God. The cross, the burial, the resurrection had everything to do with the entrance to and allowing the reception of the kingdom of God. Jesus had to go through all of it, making way for us, to come to repentance, having received forgiveness at the cross, going through the burial, water baptism, buried with him, and rising again to the newness of life, taking on the name of Jesus. We've taught here the breaking of the water, giving birth into the kingdom, and the breath of God, which is the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, born into the kingdom. Jesus had to experience it all so we could experience it as well. And just like Jesus was born into the world, we were given birth into a kingdom. The good news is, is that there is healing, there is deliverance, there is a better way, there is freedom, there is so many benefits that heaven has to offer in this world, not just in the world to come. How many of you believe that the kingdom has come? The good news was the kingdom has come. So he said, teach this and preach this to every creature. Everyone should know, in other words, that the kingdom has come and that God still heals, God still delivers, God still sets free, God still has freedom for you. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Do we have any believers here in the building right now? Okay, before you get too happy, I'm going to tell you the signs should follow you. Every believer. Say, I'm a believer. In my name, you say, I will cast out demons. When's the last time you cast out a demon? Don't raise your hand. Don't say last week. Don't say yesterday. You have to think about this because this was the Great Commission. 
This is what, in other words, Jesus did when he walked in this world. And he said, greater the work shall you do. This is the call God has for the church. They will cast out demons once they're delivered from oppression or possession. They will speak with new tongues. That's the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you need to understand that, don't just throw up your wall or your guard up there. Come this Saturday to a workshop to understand the born-again experience and understand the new birth. We will take time to teach you. We are big on teaching. They will speak with new tongues. Well, let me just ask this question. Are there any tongue talkers in the house this Sunday morning? Five, four. Is there anybody that has ever experienced the power of God in your life and know the freedom of praying in the spirit and know the liberty that comes with there's somebody turn to somebody and say there's more. There's more. There's way more than your faith. There's way more than just believing. There's an experience that God wants to give you. And they will take up serpents and drink any, and if they drink anything deadly, it would no, by no means hurt them. What this is saying is is that there are some people in Arkansas that got it wrong. Or Alabama. Or Tennessee, Kentucky. I don't know where they're from. Not in South Texas. I'm just telling you, I've never seen it here. But there are people that literally believe that they would try God putting snakes out and handling them and uh, proving that the scripture is right. That is not what this is talking about. In their day, when he remember, he's telling them to spread the gospel, go to every nation. They had to travel. They did not have, are you, they didn't have vehicles. They had to do it on foot. They had to walk. What this was, it was a sign of their protection when they did travel. For, the, for example, when Paul was shipwrecked, and he reached into the fire. He was bit by a snake, but it didn't harm him. He was on assignment. They encountered scorpions and snakes in that time, and they also had people who wanted to assassinate them. But Jesus said, I am with you. Don't worry about the snakes and the poison. Nothing's going to harm you. Just stick close to my assignment. It was for their safety. Now, do you understand what that means? Okay, now you do the study. You figure it out. Pray about it. And then he said this next. The believers, say, I'm a believer. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. When is the last time you laid hands on somebody or you released the hand of God, the power of God to see someone healed? It can happen. It will happen. It shall happen. It will happen in this church. And it will be a normal thing and is a normal thing. The only explanation I can tell you about the miracle signs and wonders that God has been performing in this church, it's all because of the Lord Jesus Christ. But at some point, somebody has to submit. At some point, someone has to submit. We have learned how to make him our savior. Meaning he saves you from something, saves you from your sin. But we have used that term to make Jesus our savior to only save us when we're in trouble. How many of you pull out your insurance card in your car every time you drive? Or do you only pull it out when you get pulled over? Because it gets you out of trouble. 
Jesus is not your insurance for when you're in trouble. When you say Jesus is your Lord, it is an act of submitting. Lord means ownership. He owns you because he purchased you with his blood. And when he owns you and you submit to that ownership and right, the receipt was on the cross when he said, it is finished. It's done. By faith, you make him Lord of your life. And in the process of submission and surrendering, he gives you the ability to be set free. He owns you. You don't belong. Your soul has already been purchased by God. And there's power in that submission. Today we're talking about our great commission, our responsibility, our true calling. Do you really want to be the church that God's called us to be? Or do you need another entertainment center? Because you can get that any place. But Riverside Church has been destined to be called to be a place of deliverance, a place of healing. Not just for the pastors to do it, our ministers to do it on the platform, but for every single person who is part of the body of Christ to be trained, to be equipped, and to grow to make a difference in your world. Do you want a church where you can go to just to someone can make you laugh, inspire you, give you some Bible, and then go home and, be ne and never be changed? Or do you want a place where the power of God is, where you're instructed and trained, discipled, filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God, given principle to know how to apply what you have inside of you and see your world changed? Your family, your children, your marriages, your career, your calling. Is that what you, if that's you, you're in the right place. You're in the right place because that's where we're going and that's what we've been doing. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, let there be an impartation today by the time we're done. Let there be an impartation and a deliverance take place in this building right now. We pray in the name of Jesus. So be it in your precious name. Everybody say amen. Give the Lord one hand clap of praise one more time ahead of time. And you can be seated. God bless you. You can be seated. For those of you watching online um, that aren't able to be here, God bless you. Thank you for watching. Um, if you've been watching from a distance, checking us out, uh, it's time to come visit. Just saying, whoever that's for. I've always prayed and had a prayer life and I've always prayed in the morning. If I missed it in the morning, I'd pray in the evening. If I missed the morning and the evening, I'd pray throughout the day behind the windshield. If you know what I mean. But, but something happened to me, and I and still had gifts operating in my life because the gifts and the calling are without repentance. But not every, every person walks in authority, full authority, unless they have fully submitted to authority. See, you don't have power. God has power. The kingdom has power, but he's given you authority. But the only place that authority can be used is in the areas that you have surrendered to that authority. 
I can go on and give you blueprint and understanding, but we have a lot that we're doing right now to get ready to help train you and disciple you that I'll save for later. But when God began to give me understanding about the born-again experience and help teach it, I've known it for years, but he's never put it together for me like he quite has right now. And, and I thought like, okay, I'm getting all this understanding and revelation in the word of God and, and, and thinking I'm the only one, but I'm not. There's a lot of people with hungry hearts who are receiving understanding. They're receiving the spirit of the Lord. God has given them wisdom, knowledge, understanding, the fear of the Lord. He's given them counsel. He has given them knowledge because they're hungry and their life has been illuminated. It is hard to understand the word of God without the spirit of God interpreting it for you. And that comes through prayer and surrender. And throughout the years, I started to see a little bit more that we're not just a group of people. And if you've been here for any period of time, you've understood that we are a royal priesthood. And priests have responsibilities. And God has placed blueprints and principles within the scripture in the Old Testament that wasn't done away with what was really fulfilled in Christ. And the priest would begin to pray and light the altar of incense in the morning, in the evening. And they would keep the light lit. And there are things that happen within that holy place that were principles that will be applied to us. As I began to apply these principles, I noticed things started to happen. Rise up at 5.30 in the morning, pray with my family, pray in the morning by myself when I wasn't with them, and pray in the evening no matter how tired I was and kept it consistent. I started to see things transpiring. I got to tell you some things that happened, and I'm going to be very transparent with you so you understand this. As I began a surrender and submission, and I began to understand perspective, because effective, if you want to write, take notes, please take notes, because I'm going to say some things that are going to be, I, I think, nuggets of wisdom for you to help you. But the, the successful, successful praying is all about perspective. When you know you're seated with him in heavenly places, when you know that you're a royal priesthood and the benefits of that and the authority that you have, it's perspective. You go into prayer with that perspective. And then I started understanding the perspective of a priest. As I was consistent with that, God began to illuminate and light my candlestick. The scripture says that the spirit of man is the candlestick of the Lord. On the day of Pentecost, I believe he lit their candlesticks because there were flames of fires of tongues that sat upon each of them. And out of that comes the spirit of enlightenment and wisdom and understanding, and God began to illuminate that. That's the menorah. As you look closer into the scripture, there are things that God leads you out of and delivers you from, but it has everything to do with light. Light. In their day and age, the strongest power that they could associate with light was the sun, and even the scripture says that as the Lord, as the sun rises in its strength, so the Lord would rise up. That's why the scripture says, arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. There's authority in the light. And so when I started to pray, I recognized something. I was praying, 
And then all of a sudden, I start feeling nauseated. As I was praying in the Spirit, keeping the routine, I felt things begin to leave me as if I was coughing it up, and it left me. I could not understand every time I go into prayer, I hit this one moment in his presence, and I start coughing, and just like something's leaving me. I didn't know what it was. I thought, something's wrong with me. But afterwards, I had clarity. This kept happening, happening. And I noticed that I had more clarity and more freedom. And it wasn't until I saw the, the, the blueprints of Solomon's temple, which, remember, the temple represents us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't like the old tabernacle, but the new tabernacle, the temple Solomon built had three levels and it had 30 rooms on each level. And there were many areas for the priests to storage, to keep up with. And there were many corridors. This is like our own spirit and our own heart. And there are areas of our heart that we may hide some things in and we let no one into, not even God. Kind of like, so you'll understand that one room at your house that you let no one in because it's full of junk. And if you're not a steward of the temple, there are some areas of your life or rooms that have not been surrendered. And I think God was cleaning house. I say I think, but I know now. He was cleaning house. Then when I, be, then when I was called to travel out around the nation or in, in Texas, when I would show up, God would be baptizing people based on the knowledge he gave me in the scripture. And I'd seen as much as 40 people baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking of the tongues at one time. The power of God fell on them as I prayed and released it. Remember, their perception of me is different. You know me as Pastor Bobby. You see me almost every week. But I'm going to tell you, for everyone here, in the years to come, we're all going to look different. We're all going to have a different authority. We are all going to mature. For those willing to take the journey with us, God is fixing to transform our lives. I saw this time and time again, no matter how many people, all at once, every single one of them got baptized in the Spirit. They Because they're illuminated, their mind was opened, they understood it, they received it, their lives were changed. Churches called me in for staff members. Church would call me in for a group of, no matter what the amount was, God filled them all. Then I kept the consistency of this priesthood. Then I would travel, and as I traveled, God began to let people receive deliverance. Because my ranking began to grow in the spirit. I felt it, the anointing, the authority. My ranking would grow. And this time when I stepped into a church and I'd come across people, they would begin, don't run out, to manifest spirits. Some would come at me. Some would speak. A lady would speak in a man's voice. I mean, I've heard it. I've seen it all. 
Some of them would just cough out things because there were hurts and wounds and things. See, in the spirit realm, there are things that you can't see that are really there that some people just can be released from themselves. But it takes authority. Everyone say authority. And I saw this happen. I went to one place and people started yakking all over the place. They started pulling out the offering buckets just to catch it. And the pastor's looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't plan this, but it's happening wherever I go. Then I'd come here after those conferences, and I've, we've cast out people who are bound by witchcraft, cast out not people, but spirits from people whose grandfathers, our parents, were witches and warlocks. And I thought, this is a lot like the Bible. Now, this is more like it. Then healings take place. Things started transpiring. And then I just went to a conference recently in Atlanta, Georgia. Someone bought tickets for me to go to Atlanta, Georgia, and I went. And while I was there, this was last week, while I was there, I heard them preach what we've been speaking, operating, what we've been operating in. And someone, a woman of God, came up to me, spoke over my life concerning this church and where we were going, and she just barely touched me, and I flew out, and something came out of me I didn't know existed. I said I got delivered again. You see, but it wasn't a demon. Because she spoke of the hurts that were in my life and everything we had to go through, the rejection, the misunderstanding, and all the hurts. And I started weeping, and then she touched me, and I flew back. Now, let me just give a disclaimer. When a guy like me goes back and there's no button, no, no beeping, watch out. Because I flew back, and this was a little 70-something-year-old prophetess, prophetess woman. And she didn't have the power to throw me back. But whatever was in her was released. And I flew back, hit the ground, and started weeping and crying and coughing. And I felt even more freedom. There were hurts in my life I didn't realize I was still holding on to. Unforgiveness. It can happen to anybody. And you cannot be afraid to get delivered. I'm going to say it again. Deliverance should be a normal thing, just like when you go to the hospital and you're not feeling well, you expect to get well and delivered from a sickness or a disease or heal from a hurt. When you take your car to the mechanic and it's broken, you expect it to be fixed. But when people come to church, we have to ask ourselves, are they delivered, set free, and healed, and saved, and filled? If they're not, we're not doing our job. And if we're the only ones that are able to do it, we're not doing our job. When Jesus walked into the world, he walked in the world and set people free. Not everybody has a devil. Some people have oppression in their life. Some people have torment in their life. Some people have hurts. Some people have wounds. Some people walk in fear, not love. Some people walk in areas of their life where they're on the defense, not on the offense, because they're constantly being disappointed and hurt in their life and offended. They may have to be delivered from something. 
But if they can't come to the church and get, where can they go? Is this real or is it not real? Is this experience here to set the captives free? Or did Jesus come to entertain us to raise up entertainers? To make you laugh, to feel good? Or is this the church of the living God? What kind of church are you looking for? The Bible, believing, demonstrating what's taught kind of church? Or the one that tells good stories and gives good theology without demonstration? Jesus was a teacher sent from God, meaning he had demonstration with what he taught. That's what God is looking for. People come to church to be healed. People come to church to be set free. People come to church because they need more in life than just what the world is giving them. I'm thankful I go to a spirit-filled church. I'm thankful I go to a Bible-believing congregation. I'm thankful that we're not afraid to demonstrate the power of God with love, with clarity, with simplicity. I'm thankful that people get set free every single week here at Riverside Church. And then God began to do miracles in my life, and I saw miraculous things take place. And see, doors opened up. God began to bless. God began to bless the congregation. People began to get baptized in the Spirit. People began to get delivered and set free. And these are the natural things that happen around a committed life. Someone say there's more. God has been giving us instruction over the years to lead us to this place in our life. We have always seen miracles take place. We have seen cancers healed in this church. We've seen broken bones mended in this church from feet to hands and everything in between. We've seen people get delivered from demonic oppression and possession. We have seen miracles, financial miracles take place. There are some people that have been blessed financially but are poor spiritually. There are people that are rich physically, spiritually but are poor financially. And you need to be blessed all across the board. In the kingdom of God, there is no poor. There is no one that should be pitied. There is nobody that should be harassed, pushed around, or no one that should suffer with the sickness or disease that God didn't give them. I understand I've lost loved ones to sicknesses, and they're in a better home. But I'm telling you, the kingdom and God is still capable of performing miracles, healing signs and wonders. And somebody has to believe it. Somebody has to believe it. When someone comes to church, there needs to be a need that's met. You know, every business in this world are nothing more than problem solvers. That's what businesses are. Restaurants, they're solving hunger. They're solving the lack of time you have to cook your meals. They're, they're trying to be there for mechanics. They're solving your car problems. The doctors, the hospitals, they're solving your illnesses and diseases in their way that they do it. They heal your wounds if possible, but God, they, 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 they bind your wounds, but God does the healing. They'll even tell you that. 
But what is the church here for? What is the church here for? I want to give you a glimpse of where we're going and what's transpiring right now. I have to move quickly. I want you to look at this chart. This gives you a clear understanding so everyone here knows this is what happens at Riverside Church right now. This is what happens. This is, in the marketing world, we call this a funnel. The funnel outside the funnel is the people. That's where marketing takes place. When you see the word marketing, we're not referring to social media, although it's a tool. But marketing in Jesus' day was word of mouth because somebody received a miracle. All a miracle is is the hand of God being stretched forth, defining logic and science. All miracles are is the hand of God working in the earth, defying logic and reason. It doesn't make sense, but it doesn't mean that it's not real. I can't explain to you why people have walked into this church in a wheelchair or a walker and walked out without it. We didn't have the x-ray machines to prove it, but we had the person's testimony to validate it. I can't explain to you how someone who's bound by cocaine, crack, or alcohol walks in, receives an experience with God, and never to go back to it again. All I know it, it works. It's real. But it only happens when people have true worship and they surrendered their life. And it's not just on a Sunday or a Wednesday. It is every single day. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. The marketing comes in for us by word of mouth, people giving testimonies. Don't ever hide your testimony. If you've left here today and you enjoy church, then Show it to the world. Tell the world I had a wonderful time at Riverside Church. People need to hear it. Why? Because they need to come and get touched by God too. That's just a fact. You're the marketing God wants. You're the billboard. You're the epistle written and seen by, read and seen by men. Your testimony matters. Share it with your coworkers. Tell them if God healed you. Tell them if God delivered you. Tell them if God filled you. Tell somebody that Jesus is alive and Jesus still performs miracles and Jesus still delivers and Jesus still sets free. This is what brings them into a place of salvation. And it's during worship in this building that people give their lives to Jesus and baptisms take place. Water baptisms, spirit baptisms, and deliverances. Salvation, being set free. When people come to church, it's to get them plugged in to train, to disciple, to help equip. This is practical, but I want you to understand this because spirituality does require a practical side to be effective. So we're not fishing with hooks. We're fishing with a net. And this is a network. Nets work. Say it with me. Nets work. It's a network. Jesus fished with nets, not with hooks. And that's how we fish. To get people out of the depths of their despair, to bring them into the house of God, into the body of Christ. The fastest way you can get connected here is through growth track. To connect or to serve. 
to start. And the reason why we give you opportunity to begin to serve right away is because I'm going to tell you the secret. Whatever is in your hands will always be in your heart. If you put the work of God in your hands, you'll have it in your heart. It'll keep you saved. It'll keep you out of danger. It'll keep you occupied. I've never regretted serving in the house of God even before ministry. Every time the church was open, we would cut the grass, clean the church, and my kids would be with me. And I've got to tell you, over the years, I've never regretted that. I've never felt sorry for my kids when they had to wait for us to clean the church or mow the grass or help build something or do something. Because now that i got my kids involved, after all those years, now they're involved in the work of God. What you keep in your hands, you'll have in your heart. Don't allow greed to get the best of you and feel like people are taking advantage of you. When you prayed the prayer, Lord, use me. Get connected through Growth Trek to get on board. And then here's where the big changes are coming. I preached a conference not too long ago in Austin, Texas. And while I was there sitting on the front row, most of you heard the story, have met Dr. Al Gawson. There's a man sitting in the front listening to the teaching, his eyes are open, his mouth is just salivating, you can tell in his spirit. Dr. Al, come to find out, was the gentleman over 27 years ago who produced a Bible study that won me to the Lord, and saw, I saw my born-again experience happen. It changed my life. He had produced a number of Bible studies and tracts in the Pentecostal world before I didn't know that was him. We got connected. He started coming to visit us. He's watching online right now. And when he came here, he felt the witness, and we began to connect. Now he is moving to Victoria, Texas, to help us run our Bible college. He has been a professor in Bible colleges, has a degree, has his doctorate, very knowledgeable. And when we have conversation, it reminds me of Peter and Paul for some reason. Iron sharpens iron. He knows the word of God. He helps me piece it together. Sometimes I help give him. It, it, it works hand in hand. A teacher and an apostle or teacher. It, it just There's no office. I've never called myself to any office. God's called me a servant, and that's what I am. But when you serve and you surrender, God can use you to help build the church. And he'll send you the right people. Dr. Al is coming in to help us do something called Grounded. Grounded is where we're going to take you and help you personally be discipled to give you the understanding and the revelation of everything we've been teaching to help you grow and get grounded in the Word of God. And you'll learn everything to how to pray, why you pray. You'll learn everything as well as going through an internship. You'll learn everything as well as far as the Bible from the principles of why we do what we do. And by the time we're done, you'll have a foundation so solid according to the scripture that Jesus Christ will be your chief cornerstone built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And you will be able to build anything and it will not fail. But here's where there's going to be Different, uh, 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 I'm going to say a, a, a game changer. We are opening up and have just been approved to open up Riverside College. And Dr. Al, who was a professor as well, 
is going to run Riverside College and help us with everything necessary to also open up a training center. This has been many years in the making, many, many years. But God is getting us ready for the future. Riverside College, you can get your degree and get college credit. And you can go to college here at Riverside online and in person to receive an associate's, a bachelor's, a master's, or your doctorate in any field that you're going to be in in the marketplace, in the workplace. That's for your career if you're not called to ministry, but I believe everyone's called to ministry. But if you want to get a degree, you can get it through us, and we'll train you and help you, and you can intern with us. But there's going to be another side to this in training ministry, and this is strictly for the people to learn how to function in the gifts. This training institute is going to be to get you ready for ministry, to get you ready to go out into the world, whatever that looks like. If you have ministry mixed up with the microphone, you've been taught wrong. Everyone has a ministry. Why? To evangelize. We want to send every person out to be able to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. To cast out demonic spirits or loose them from oppression of demonic spirits or bad habits and see deliverance take place. We are not going to hoard this to ourselves. We are going to multiply ourselves and teach you how to function in that. Lay hands and impartation. We're going to let you walk in the same type of anointing because it was never just meant to be for just a few. It was meant to be for everybody. <laughs> to evangelize and then the process returns back. You go out into your world. What happens when you meet that coworker who is sick and God speaks to you to pray for them, and you don't know how. What happens when you come in contact with somebody dealing with a depressed spirit or dealing with oppression or dealing with an addiction, and you know through prayer what it is, but do you know how to release it? You can, you will, you shall. The point I want to give you today is this. Everyone is a minister. Everyone is a minister. The key to ministry is the first four words of minister. Many. Less of you, more of him. If you bypass the process and go straight to what you feel like God has and never be mentored or submit to an authority figure that has governmental authority, not a man, if you think this way, then you have been taught wrong and you've been hurt and you're afraid to get hurt again. But this isn't that house. You're not submitting to my authority. You're submitting to the calling and the assignment and the authority that's on my life, and that's Jesus Christ. And as long as I'm following Jesus, this thing works. So, you know, what I'm teaching right here, you can either receive it or push it aside. 
that's based on your discernment and witness and your alignment. But everybody needs a pastor. I have pastors in my life. I have three. I had three of them. I have two now. One has passed. But I have people that I submit to, people that check on me, people that call me, people that, that I call. It doesn't have to be every day, but they're there. Everyone needs a pastor because not everybody has a governmental office. And God gave gifts unto men, the scripture says, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, right? Pastors, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, to fully equipped. Those are governmental offices. There are people that are called with those governmental offices. And there are people that go out into the world without that type of authority and they fail. And they're also limited. And they have no authority and power in their life because they've never been trained properly. They've never submitted to a type of authority because they have a problem. A lot of these things may be something a person needs deliverance from. A lot of these things are hurts and unforgiveness. A lot of these things is fear. A lot of these things is just a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. But this is the way God made the kingdom. Our greatest authority is Jesus. And then God has put people in the ranks. Like the sons of Sceva who went and tried to cast out a demon. They were outranked by that demon. And they say, I adjure. They said to the demon, I adjure thee by the God who Paul preaches. And say, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. But who are you? Out of place. No power. They just saw it done. But no one trained them. And they'd have no mentorship. The apostles were discipled by Jesus. They had somebody in physical form that carried a governmental office because that's the way God made it. Then God put the 12 apostles, 11, then 12, and anointed them to do the same, and they established churches and oversaw them. That's the government of God. Don't be fooled by people who tell you you don't need a man or need to submit to anybody. It's not about submitting to a man. It's about submitting to the government of God. If that man does wrong, God will deal with that guy. God will correct that guy, and God will spank him. I promise you, God spanks. But he's the good shepherd that gave his life for you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm simply trying to tell you that there are rankings in the spirit. There are callings in the spirit. And this is an apostolic house. This is a house of deliverance. This is a house of healing. This is a house of miracles. This is a house where people are not just experiencing the emotional part of ministry, but they're also being discipled, taught, poured into. Everyone's a minister. Everyone's a minister. I don't know if you know this or not, but this world is a battlefield. This world is a battlefield, so this goes both ways. God spoke to me this past week and told me, who are you or anybody to validate someone that's been injured in the battlefield and wounded in war and tell them you're not good enough to come in and get healed? When medics go out in the battlefield, they don't look at someone that has a, a leg missing or an arm missing, or a wound, and say, you're not good enough to go into the tent for healing. Yeah. There, however someone has ever been injured, they have the right to be healed, and restored, and renewed. I'm going to tell you something. 
you're going to see God send people to this church that other people have written off. It's happening now. You're going to see people that are in this church that fell from ministry. It's happening now. You're going to see people who have broken marriages, who failed in their marriages, yet God is restoring them and healing them and delivering them. It's happening now. You're going to see people who were drug addicts and alcoholics come into this church and get addicted to the new wine. It's happening now. Love has no boundaries. The love of God sees everyone and the level and the playing field is leveled. Everyone needs Jesus. Everyone is a minister. And when you go out in the world, God will equip you. Listen to this, Ephesians 6. 10 and 15. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we, listen to this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, here's the real enemy. Are you ready? But against principalities. What's a principality? A principality is somewhat of a general in the spirit world, in the demonic world, over regions. A principality can be over regions, cities, states, countries, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age. Rulers of darkness in this age. People that are Influence in government places against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, demonic warring angels that fight against and try to fight against God's angels. Would you, would you like to know how to defeat demonic angels in the heavenly realm? Start getting a prayer life and a praise life and give your angels reasons to fight. And say it again. You want to see angels move? Get a prayer life and a prayer life, a praise life. And learn the word of God and learn how to hear God's voice and release the word. And angels will respond to the word. They'll respond to the assignment. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and have done all to stand. Stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod or put on your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Your feet. Did you know that you wear certain shoes for certain occasions? When you go to the gym, ladies, or you go walking up a hill, do you wear high heels when you work out? No. You put on the proper shoes for the proper occasion. In the kingdom of God, when you go out into the world, you should have the gospel on your feet. Or what that means is some of you are thinking feet. That means with the intention to walk to share it. That's what really what that means. With the intention of your heart with the message to share, and you walk in that direction wherever the gospel takes you. Wherever God is going to use you in ministry, you wear the shoes that are appropriate. When you go into worship, I wear priestly garments. 
You understand, in my mind, I'm a priest. When I go out into the world, I'm fully equipped. I'm ready to share the gospel. What is the gospel? The kingdom of God has come. There's a better way. God can heal you. God will deliver you. He gave up the lamb of God for you. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll heal you. I'm telling you, he'll set you free. You're addicted to what? Okay, it's okay. You can become addicted to Jesus. Does anybody believe in this stuff right here that God is able? God will do it. God can do it. But here's what I want to share with you, and I'm coming. This is the last point, and I have to share this with you. Every ministry begins with deliverance. Every ministry begins with deliverance. Every ministry. There are two types of deliverances. You can write this down. Two types of deliverances. The new birth is a deliverance, and the setting free is another deliverance. Not every deliverance is bad. See, sometimes God wants to deliver you from an old season or an old, a, a, a lower level and deliver you into a new level. See, in deliverance, you see, it's like giving birth. That's the one part of deliverance. When you're born into the kingdom of God, listen, don't confuse salvation with the born-again experience because you're saved by the blood. Everyone in this building is saved. Everyone in this building calls Jesus their Savior. How many of you call Jesus your Savior? You're saved by the blood at the cross. But I want to show you something here in John chapter 3, verse 1 and 3, and I'm going to skip down to verse 3. I'm just going to paraphrase it. Well, let me read the whole thing. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, teacher, we know you're a teacher. Come from God. Not just any teacher, a God-sent teacher. Why? Because, he says, for no one can do these signs or miracles unless God is with him. He saw the miracles. He saw the healings. He saw the deliverances of the demonic spirits. He saw probably the dead raised back to life. He saw blind eyes open. He saw ears, everything. He's interested in those gifts. He wants to know how he can walk in that kind of authority. And listen to what Jesus tells him. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is what? Born again. He cannot what? See the kingdom of God. Now, if you read that scripture, the rest of that chapter, he goes on further and says it again, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit. Then he goes on further and says, everyone that's born of the spirit, you hear the sound thereof, which comes from the Greek word phone, which means tongue, voice, language. Jesus gave the principle for a born-again experience to walk in authority. This is why when the apostles or the disciples waited in Jerusalem, the Spirit of God fell upon each of them, and they all spoke in tongues because their spirit was baptized, and then they were water baptized. And the Scripture says up to 3,000 of them that day were water baptized. But Jesus said because... This is the birth into the kingdom. Well, I don't understand that, Pastor Bobby. Let me give you a quick little preview of a Saturday night workshop. Are you ready? Jesus was born of a what? A virgin, right? 
A virgin is someone who's clean, pure, right, in the, in the eyes of God as far as hasn't, hasn't had relations, right? That's what we know as a virgin. Am I right? Okay. We're going to call her clean and undefiled, you know, in the eyes of God. So, so God had to choose someone who was a virgin, and the Spirit of God overshadowed Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Ghost. Now, a conception, at conception, one thing's required from the man, it's blood. Am I right? Blood, his, Jesus' blood came from heaven. That's why he was without sin. He didn't have a sinful nature. He had a heavenly nature. And she conceived. Jesus had to be born the same way all of you were born. Now, unless you had a C-section. But the water breaks. The baby comes out. The doctor either spanks your little hiney or takes blood, and a cry comes out. That signifies breath. Am I right? Jesus was born the same way you and I were. So we had to be born the same way he was to enter where he was at. I'm going to say it again. Jesus, to enter our world, had to be born like we were. For us to enter his world, we had to be born like he was. Are you catching this? How many of you want me to repeat that? Jesus, in order to become part of our world, to make a difference, to experience a kingdom, had to be born the way we were into our world. For us to be born into his world, we had to be born like him, which was the kingdom. What do you mean, Pastor Bobby? Nicodemus didn't get it either. So, if Jesus is called the second Adam... Who's the second Eve? Because Jesus came to restore what Adam lost. He lost his authority. He lost his dominion. He lost his influence, his favor, everything. That's why they have to keep going through the rituals of the blood and the temple. And it didn't work. God said, enough of that. I'm going to make you the temple. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to get my blood in you. And I'm going to give you my name. Now, we're the temple, but watch this now. Watch this. God didn't come and send his son into the world just to die for our sins. He came because he wanted a family. And God's son needed a bride. So if Jesus was the first, the second Adam, then the church is the second Eve. And Jesus only marry, would only marry a virgin. And the only virgin in the world that was good enough for Jesus is the one that's been purchased and forgiven by the blood. You ready? I got to hurry. You ready? The bride of Christ. That's why we're already intimate with him in worship. What do you think intimacy is? We're married with him already. Hello, everybody. You're still waiting for a marriage. I'm telling you, the marriage has come. And we're at the, at the supper table right now with him. He said he wouldn't eat and drink with this again with his disciples till he was with them in this father's kingdom. That's already happening. We're partying right now. You just, you're not having fun because you haven't learned how to party. You haven't learned how to drink. You haven't learned how to eat. I'm just telling you right now the party is happening right now. I wasn't invited. Yes, you were. Many are called. Few are chosen. The bride of Christ in the earth, 
when we get intimate with God, do worship. Remember the funnel? Worship. What happens when we worship and come together? The Holy Ghost overshadows us. And what happens in the womb of the church is somebody says, Lord, forgive me my sins. The blood is applied. And when somebody gets saved, somebody gets saved, we encourage them, get water baptized. Because when you are water baptized, you are buried into Christ. But you go down in baptism, which means baptismal, which means to dip, submerge completely, not sprinkle. Hello. Submerge. And when you go in the water, you come out of the water, you break the water. And then you take on the name at that moment. You don't give your child that name and really call them by the name until they come out. That's a Jewish custom. But there's one thing that will determine the breath. See, Adam, to become a living soul, till God breathed on him. But when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he fills you and takes full control of the heart, which is connected to your tongue, which James said no one can control the tongue. We have tamed animals, but we've never been able to tame the tongue. Why? Because nobody's been able to tame the heart. Only God can. And when you have surrendered your heart completely, the evidence of a fully released and submitted heart is the one thing that's connected to it as a sign You had no control of it. The Spirit gives the utterance. But God now speaks through you. And he begins to give you a prayer language. Intercedes for you. Does anybody believe this? You want to know why people speak in tongues? Because they have fully surrendered and made him your Lord. Now he's not just your Savior. Now he's your Lord. No man can tame the tongue. Because they were getting it wrong. You get confused by tongues. It has nothing to do with tongues. It has everything to do with the heart. A fully submitted heart. As you surrender your heart, I've seen this hundreds of times over and over and over. People get filled when they understand it. And they just receive it and worship into it. And they start speaking in tongues. And this flow happens. And the change occurs and the empowerment comes. And that's what happened to me. As I began to grow in my prayer language and learn to surrender, the, the, the light of God began to disperse every, every corridor, every room of my heart. God began to deliver me. God began to clean house. God began to anoint me. God began to give me understanding. And he gave me authority and power. And there's a release of what you have accumulated on the inside. And that is the secret. And Jesus told Nicodemus, if you want to enter the kingdom... If you want to see it in your life, you've got to be born again of the water and of the spirit because it's not going back to your mama's womb, dummy. It's going through the womb of the church. What do we do when we're baptizing people? We're baptizing them. They're being born of the water. What do we do when we teach spirit baptism? We're teaching the birth of the spirit. And it's for everyone. But churches are afraid to teach it because they'll lose people. But there's a lot of people that say, I want that. I need that. I got to have that. I want to experience that. I'm poor in spirit, but I need a touch from God. I need the love of God, the wisdom of God, the faith of God. I need the attributes of the spirit. 
How do you think you deliver people? Because there's authority inside of you. Rivers of living water flow from your being. Come on, Alicia. Here's what I want to leave you with right here. You can't deliver anyone from something you're bound to or bound by. But when you're free, what, is the, what does the Bible say where the spirit of the Savior is? Where the spirit of my healer is? It says where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom, liberty. The Lord. If lordship, if you understand it, it means ownership. You've been bought with the price. But you see, although you've been bought, for us, it's a choice to submit, to make him Lord. It's will. It's your will. Will you allow him to fill you? Will you allow him to change you? In this church, God is going to raise up people with ministries that are going to change the world. But you can't be afraid to submit to the process. You can't be afraid to experience something new that's in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. I've not given you anything extra because you probably have been taught differently. It's only for a few. It's only just for this person or that. Uh -uh, not the Bible. It says it like this. God shall pour his spirit out on all flesh. You see, we're three-dimensional. Most people live in this first dimension called the flesh. They go by feelings. They come to church, they feel something, but they've never really opened up their mind to it until they've submitted their soul. And that's the second dimension. When, you're, when you feel God's presence and you come to church, your mind opens up, and you can even be emotional about it. And then you've got God. You've got God. God is with you. You have God. God is there. But here's the third dimension, the spirit. When you have fully surrendered and made him Lord over your life in full surrender of your spirit, then God has you. You've got God here, but here God has you as Lord. Full control of your spirit because you've relinquished everything. And the power of growing in the spirit is what Paul said. I'm glad I speak in tongues more than you all. Praying in the spirit is the most powerful act you can do. It's for everyone and it's going to be a natural and it is a natural thing. And God, I'm going to tell you right now in the name of Jesus, we are coming against every religious belief, every dark and dormant spirit every little imp from hell every familiar spirit that torments people I'm given notice right now to tell you we're coming for you we are coming for you and your family and everyone else that you hang around with and everything else that you partner with and ungodly covenants we're coming to break them we're coming to break generational curses we're coming to set captives free we are coming in the name of Jesus against every Goliath that stands there to taunt God's people. God is going to raise up an army in this region that people are going to be set free and delivered and filled with the power of God and there's going to be reviving. There's going to be a liberty. There's going to be a freedom. People are going to be set free from addictions. People will come here to be filled with the Holy Spirit. People will come here to get free from crack 
and alcohol and cocaine and every other drug that's out there, even prescription drugs. People will come here to be healed. Why? Because there's going to be a group of people that have been delivered and set free and filled with the power of God. And they're going to understand how to operate in the kingdom of God. That's what God has called this church to be. Not like another church. Not like a seeker-friendly church. Not like just a community church. But a spirit-filled powerful entity in the world called the kingdom of God the body of Christ somebody lift your hands right now and surrender your authority and your will to God thank you for listening to today's message if you liked what you heard be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend for more information about who we are visit riversidechurchtx.com